strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Robert Sarver, the managing partner of the Phoenix Suns and Phoenix Mercury, has been suspended by the NBA for one year. By now, all of you have heard this story. It is not only a national story, but it is a deeply emotional story here in the Valley because the Phoenix Suns have been around for so long. Um, Just very quickly on that topic. when I moved here in 1995, the Suns were still huge, and, and they were powerhouses. You had Charles Barkley and, and Dan Marley, and you had all of these players that were iconic, and they were a force in the NBA. But I, be, I realized, as I'd been here a while, how deeply the Suns are, are influencing and have been an influence in this valley for years. And uh, it, it, is, um, it is amazing to uh, Jerry Coangelo deserves so much credit for how he built that franchise and the love of that franchise. It is an iconic logo across the country, and he built that. And this is no disrespect to Mr. Sarver, but this was built by Jerry Coangelo. Um, and so when the Suns weren't good, it was devastating to people. And as you know, the Diamondbacks came here, you would see very often you would see kids in the state in the seats wearing a Diamondbacks jersey or hat and the parents wearing the Cubs or another city's jersey because the Diamondbacks, they were transplants here. So the Diamondbacks were their second favorite team. You don't see you never saw that at Suns games. You saw entire families, three generations sometimes at games. Everybody sold out to the Suns. So that's how deeply they are a part of this community. So this is more than just what did he do? Did he do this? How horrible? This affects the fabric of a lot of people because this is what a lot of people I identify in Arizona sports is the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury. So um, in a statement, I want to be fair. This is from uh, Arizona sports. Uh, In a statement, Sarver's lawyer pointed out the investigation showed that none of Mr. Sarver's actions or comments were based on racist, prejudiced, or misogynistic intent. So although he said some racist things without a doubt, the findings were that he was not being racist, although he was using inappropriate language and things that all of us should know better than to say. And he did it on multiple occasions. They're saying they didn't find that he was making racist comments. If that if that distinction matters to you, that's what the report is saying. But demeaning women in 2008, he told a pregnant employee she could not continue her role coordinating events because she would be breastfeeding and her baby needs their mom, not their father. The woman cried and uh, they uh, her her lawyer, someone complained and he had to talk to a lawyer. Um, He was accused in March of of 2011 of screaming at a female employee Um, and then she began to cry. So a week later he went to her office or a cubicle or whatever and said, why can't we get along? Um, What's wrong with you? The employee began to cry again. He said, why why do all the women around here cry so much? Not long after that, he arranged a lunch between four women in the Suns organization, including the woman who he yelled at and several women at the Western Alliance Bank, which Sarver was the CEO of. Uh, the invitees were all women, and two of the Suns employees perceived it as Sarver's attempt for the bank employees to explain how the Suns employees must learn to work with Sarver. So there were a lot more demeaning comments. There were a lot of things that happened. Inappropriate physical conduct. Um, he, he once exposed the generals of a male employee. He pants the guy, yanked his pants down. Juvenile. But does this behavior, and I'm not defending it at all, I'm asking in the minds of fans across this country, and the Phoenix Suns fans especially, 
is this a deal breaker in their minds? And I'm also very concerned because when you look at the Phoenix Suns and what they've built, they've got a coach that is immensely respected for his character and his coaching ability, named Coach of the Year, for the way he handles himself and conducts himself in such a dignified way, win or lose. He's a good man and known as a great mentor. You've got Chris Paul, who was a part of the L.A. Clippers organization when the former owner there was outed for racist comments in a video with his girlfriend. And so you've got guys like Devin Booker, who is one of the biggest names in the league by far. So you've got a bunch of guys on this team that have withheld, for whatever reason, my speculation is the reason why they withheld a judgment is because there was no proof. There was an investigation. There were accusations. And many of them said, we've never seen it, which is probably true. I don't think they would lie about that. But if in this 43-page report, these players are reading these comments and reading what's happened and saying to themselves, now, how do I in good conscience put on that uniform and play for an organization if that guy is still a part of it? Will they come out publicly? We live in a different world than we lived in 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Everybody's on social media. Everybody's expected to comment about everything. It crosses sports. You know, every time when you're watching Tom Brady play and LeBron James makes a comment about how good Tom Brady is, that gets reported as news. That tweet is blasted everywhere. There is an expectation that those things happen. Well, what happens if the Phoenix Suns, especially their head coach, starts to speak out and say that is absolutely unacceptable conduct and they go ripping into the managing partner? Sponsorships and losses of sponsorships. I know it isn't always about dollars and cents, but you've got partners and investors where you're talking – Millions and millions of dollars are invested, and if they begin to see revenue fall off because sponsors don't want to be a part of it, and you think about that, what would happen? What would happen if sponsors to the show came out and said, we want our name off the building, we don't want signs in your arena, we're not buying suites, we're not doing this because then our brand is attached to what you did. Fair or unfair, is that happening? And, you know, because there's going to be an outrage. There are, there are always people that are looking for a reason to be outraged. They will scream and yell and stomp their feet. And, 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 and we know it's not a fair connection to say that you're a sponsor. Oh, you're an arena sponsor. You have signage up inside of the inside of the footprint center and you're the official whatever of the Phoenix Suns. So you must condone what Robert Sarver did or said. And we all know that's absolutely not true. We know it's a business decision. And the Phoenix Suns transcend Robert Sarver. Let's be honest. They transcend everything. Um, It's an iconic brand. I I used this illustration yesterday or the day before. Um, It's an iconic brand like the Cleveland Browns were. For those of you old enough to remember, I was born in Cleveland, Ohio. I don't remember much about it because I left when I was a child. But the Cleveland Browns are an iconic franchise in the NFL, and they are iconic to that city. When the former owner, he's passed away now, Art Modell, moved that team and became the Baltimore Ravens, he moved that team from Cleveland to Baltimore. When he did that, the city of Cleveland was awarded the franchise, the name Cleveland Browns. That's why they weren't called the Baltimore Browns. They became the Baltimore Ravens. And 
you know, it, they the Colts left Baltimore and became the Indianapolis Colts. So you, you saw the one city let the franchise go. They let the name go. Cleveland said, no, 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 we are the Browns. Imagine the Bears leaving Chicago and then not being called the Bears in the city of Chicago, being some the Seattle, you know, whatever, the Houston Bears. So um, this all of this uh, is is such a strange thing that in Phoenix, they transcend these things that happen in my in my belief that the Phoenix Suns exceed, are, are, transcend their ownership, their coaches, even some of their players. It is an iconic brand that is uniquely the city of Phoenix and the Valley as a whole, the state of Arizona. And so I, I believe they'll rise above this. I think that this is not going to d- define who they are in the eyes of the country. But the way they respond to it is going to make this go away faster if they handle it the right way or if they handle it the wrong way, it's going to linger. And I'm anxious to see how it plays out. I really am. Coming up in a moment, we get you caught up on the biggest news stories of the day. We call it Did You Hear This? So stick around for it. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Been a busy, busy news day as usual. Let's get you caught up. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. President Biden says he isn't worried about yesterday's low numbers on Wall Street. Stock market doesn't necessarily reflect the state of the economy, as you well know. And the economy is still strong. Unemployment's low. Jobs are up. Manufacturing's good. So I think it's uh, I think going to be fine. Did yesterday's low stock market stock market numbers concern you? Um, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I gotta say, I have a retirement account, and so yeah, when you see a twelve hundred point drop in the Dow, and you see a four percent drop in the Nasdaq and the S and P five hundred, everybody's concerned, and it's not so much just a concern that a one day one day drop because things recover; they always do in America. It's going to take some time, but it's the lack of consumer confidence, it's the huge increase in prices, it's the reason why it dropped. They celebrated the Inflation Reduction Act on a day that the inflation numbers came in higher than expected. They went on with the party on a day when it dropped 1,200 in the Dow. It is bad optics. It looks horrible. It is horrible. And I don't know why they don't have people that say we can't do this. We're going to cancel this event. Instead, they went on with it like nothing happened. Let them eat cake, right? A railroad strike may be upon us, and it would bring repercussions for both travelers and the economy. About 40% of long-distance goods moved by train in the U.S. That could be new cars, grain, or household supplies. Beyond the supply chain, passenger trains run on rails owned by BNSF and Union Pacific, which are involved in the contract dispute. How bad do you think a railroad strike would impact the economy? I, um, I'm not a doom and gloomer, and I try not to be too inflammatory. This would be disastrous for our economy. If this were to happen, I'm going to talk more about this at 1135. If this rail strike happens, forget supply chain issues that we've seen before. When you're talking about 40% of these goods are moved across the country on these rails at a time when we've got fragility in our economy to begin with, prices are going up. This is going to be disastrous if they don't get this settled. And I don't think that it can be overstated. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the big headlines. Phoenix Suns fans reacted to the suspension of Robert Sarver, and most weren't pleased. 
feel like a new owner should be put into place. And if not, then hopefully with the fines and everything, suspension that he has, hopefully a little click in his head. Could fan and player reaction impact whether or not Sarver remains his owner? Uh, there's a lot that that could impact this, and it would be, as I talked about before, a lot of it goes back to the dollars of sponsorship. And, it, you know, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, so that isn't the big thing. It's the refusal of the fans to show up. It's the refusal of sponsors to want to be a part of it. Is the negative? It would be the negative outlook on a franchise that is beloved here in the Valley and across the state of Arizona. It is the, the um, reputation of the brand transcends everybody that's involved. And uh, you know, like I said before, Jerry Colangelo started this franchise. He's iconic in the basketball and the sports world. But he, the Suns even transcended him. They carried on even after he left and Sarver took over in this group. So this is a brand, like not a, like un, unlike many others, that transcends and its city owns this brand. And if they don't want it, if the sponsors don't want it, the loss of revenue might push this owner out. And I don't know if it's going to get to that, but it sure could. Yesterday, Senator Lindsey Graham introduced a bill that would put a federal ban on abortions after 15 weeks. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell shared his thoughts. I think most of the members of my conference prefer that this be dealt with at the state level. Should abortion rights be left up to the states? That was the whole point of defeating Roe, was that the states have an obligation to decide what's right for their state. If you're, what they want to do with this, and just to give you the, 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 what they're saying, and I don't disagree with this, by the way, I don't disagree with the policy in the, in this sense, is they're saying that they are defining a personhood at 15 weeks. In other words, the states can decide what to do before 15 weeks, but at 15 weeks, this is a human being and it deserves constitutional protection. So what they are saying is, in their mind, this isn't about abortion. This is about saving a human life. So whether or not you buy that or not, I don't know. But each state's going to be in charge. And the reason why they're doing this, I will tell you in, in many cases, was the warning I gave people about abortion. I said to the people that are pro-life, that celebrated the defeat of Roe and, and Dodd and being sent back to the states, is you got to be careful because states like California and others may dramatically expand access to abortion and they have every right to do that. This is a bill, this is a piece of legislation that would stop that huge expansion. So we'll see how it plays out because this abortion thing is not going the way the Republicans wanted it to. All right, that's Did You Hear This Again? Good job, Julia. We'll do it again tomorrow at 1120. Coming up in a few moments, we are going to talk about the economy and what is added into the worry for people now is the potential for a rail strike, not just for passengers, but for goods that are transported across the country. How bad could this get? We'll talk about it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. I want to invite you to subscribe to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast. It's very simple to do on any device you have. Listen at your convenience. And I want to thank my friend Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty East Valley, for sponsoring the podcast this week. You can get higher price selling your home. You can guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. 
Um, as we were just talking about, and did you hear this? Uh, there is a looming work stoppage in the rail industry. If that were to happen, it could be catastrophic to our economy because what forty percent of the goods uh, that are travel uh, that traverse this country, long distance um, good shipment, is done on trains. And so, if that were to happen, the supply chain issues that we have seen coming from China and the shutdown of a port are small potatoes compared to what would happen in this country with things that would be stopped from automobiles and wheat and grain and other things like that. Um, so I want to take you back. I was just having a uh, – I was just giving a history lesson to someone much younger than me in the building, which I'm always uh, – um, seems like I'm always much older than everybody in the building. But I was talking about the Reagan years. If you remember, Ronald Reagan stepped in. And an air traffic control strike and basically broke the union and forced those workers back to work because it was such an essential part of the U.S. economy that it, you can effectively shut down every airport in the country by saying we're not going to go to work until we get more money. You can hold the country hostage for millions of dollars if, if that were the case. And so Reagan stepped in and said, no, this isn't going to happen and, and effectively broke the union, which was a, a big deal at the time. Time. Um, I'm not a big union guy myself. Um, I understand what unions are in principle most of the time, with the exception of public safety unions here in Arizona, which I think have shown themselves to work with management and what management in this case would be city management. Um, I give them a lot of credit for what they did in, in 08, 09 when the when the market was in big trouble, uh, 07, 08, whatever it was, um, that they – went to the table and gave back finances to help the city. That's what unions are supposed to do. Yes, you're going to protect your membership, but you also got to do what's right for the company that you work for. In this case, it was the city of Phoenix. But other than that, we see, in my mind anyway, um, I like I like being part of a right-to-work state. I mean, I've been an electrician my whole life before I did this job, and I was never a union electrician. I made a very good living for myself uh, in a right-to-work state of Florida and here. But if the president of the United States, and we're, we understand that behind the scenes, the Biden administration is having conversations with both sides because this industry is critical to what we do. It is against the law for police officers and firefighters to go on strike. They are not allowed to go on strike because of the disaster to public safety it would cause. That doesn't mean that they don't have organizations that negotiate on their behalf for compensation. They absolutely do, but they can't go on strike. This is one of those essential essential industries. So will this get resolved because they had a deal on the table that was rejected by labor and they're holding out for more? The strike deadline is looming. It's not just going to be Amtrak and passenger trains. This is going to be goods and services that are moved across the country. If you've ever driven here in Phoenix up Grand Avenue and you follow the train tracks up, there's that big yard where all of the new vehicles are shipped into um, before they're put on trucks and taken to car dealerships. So this is a huge industry for the commerce and the economy of the United States. If the president of the United States, and I don't know what he's saying or what his staff is saying, what the, you know, but if the White House is saying to them, remember what happened with Reagan and the air traffic controllers. We understand you want more money. We understand you're working very, very long hours. We get all of that. We want you to negotiate a good deal for you. But if you make us step in, we will. And you're not going to like the results. The criticism that I have had and many others have had of this administration have been they reacted far too late and they did far too little. Inflation, the border, uh, 
um, COVID-19 stuff that this administration has done. They did the same criticism on COVID-19 with with President Trump, but same thing here with President Biden. And so if this administration, if this strike were to happen, there are going to be people that are saying, listen, Reagan stepped in to the crisis that was the air traffic controllers. What are you doing where this is necessary for commerce? And we are going to see you think inflation's bad now. Where do you see the unemployment that comes along immediately with that strike? And so this is going to be a telling moment in this administration if they can avert some kind of a, of a labor shor- or labor stoppage. And there is nothing short of that. This would be catastrophic to the economy of the United States if that rail strike were to happen. And uh, it can't be overstated. So I don't know to what extent the Biden administration is, is involved. We know that there are conversations happening. But in an official capacity, is the president of the United States either himself or through his people saying, do not make us step in here? Get a deal done. Get one done that's fair for you. But if you're going to push for something that's outrageous and the owners of these companies are going to say, no, we are going to step in and neither side is going to be happy with what we do next. And there is precedent for this with what Reagan did in the air traffic controller. So it's just one element of our economy that is something that needs to be looked at. The other part of what we're looking at in our economy is the inflation rate remains very, very high um, here in Arizona. One of the other issues we've I, I talk about construction and not building things fast enough um, that's all true. But you know that the supply chain issues are still affecting some places and industries. There are people that are building buildings, uh, commercial properties, you know, big buildings, and they are getting temporary CFOs or, or certificate of occupancy. They are getting temporary CFOs for people to move in without the building being completed, missing light fixtures, missing different things because the supply chain issues still aren't solved. Imagine what a rail strike does to that. So here we've got this booming economy in Arizona with huge inflation. There's no doubt about it, but a booming economy. And on top of a booming economy, now all of a sudden rails stop. The railroads don't go anymore. What is that going to do to supply chain issue? Literally shutting down construction sites, sending home all of those workers that are working because there's nothing to build with or very little to build with. So we've got to address a lot of issues. This is why the job of the presidency is such an important job. Now, no one person. I don't care if it's Ronald Reagan or Barack Obama or George W. Bush, no matter who you are, no one person can wrap their arms around everything, which is why they choose people to be advisors in their cabinet, to run certain departments of the government and implement their uh, ideology and agenda. And you count on those people to do a good job and you count on good counsel. This is where those those choices matter so much. And I don't. I, I want to wait and see what happens with this. And uh, uh, the other thing is now the Dow is down 35 points where it was up about 100 earlier today. So it's down even a little bit today after yesterday's 1,200 point drop. The issue for me with this is now if Wall Street's looking at this saying, "All right, if there's a rail strike, all bets are off." You know, this is this could be disastrous. I don't want to uh, be too. Um, I guess I don't want to uh, to embellish, but I don't think you can embellish this. This is a big, big deal. One more segment of the show before we close it out. Stick around. 
strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. I saw a survey this morning. Actually, uh, Julia pulled it for me, and I was very surprised by this. Um, As fentanyl overdoses rise, a new study found that nearly half of Arizona teenagers have never heard of the drug. Is that possible? Is that a possibly a true statistic that half of the teenagers in Arizona have never heard of fentanyl? Um, the biennial 2022 Arizona Youth Survey released last week found that 47% of 8th graders had never heard of fentanyl compared with 33% of 10th graders and 25% of 12th graders. That, that, that seems so weird to me. In the day and age of social media where everyone, everyone has a social media account. You can see videos and and you get news at your fingertips. Um, From 2017 to 2021, over 1,100 people under the age of 24 died of an opioid overdose, overdose, according to the Department of Health Services. Over 70% of fentanyl seized coming into the U.S. enters through Arizona. We are the main highway for fentanyl pills. The survey gathered input from 50,000 students across every county in the state of Arizona. More than 300 schools participated. So this is strange. Of the 12th grader... 12th graders in the study, the most common abused substance in a 30-day period is alcohol at 23%, marijuana at 18 e-cigarettes at 15 and marijuana concentrates, I guess those are edibles, at 14%. This is, and I don't know why I'm shocked by this. I, you know, I've, um, I'll be honest. I would tell, I'm pretty honest about the stuff on this show. I've never done an illicit drug. I, I've never even smoked marijuana. Um, but I've been around it a lot. You know, when I was a kid, I had friends who smoked. I, I had friends who did cocaine. I had a friend who did acid. So I hung out with a, a per, with a rough crowd. Drugs were just never my thing. Um, so I've been around them. I know what they are. I knew what they were when I was young. It's hard for me to believe that our children, and this may be something you want to talk to your kids or grandkids about, because what's happening in a lot of these overdose cases is kids think they're taking one drug and it's laced with fentanyl, and it's that deadly. And um, it is a scary thing to think that your child could be ignorant to something that you think everybody knows. Because when I saw that statistic, 47%, I thought there's no way that could be right. No way. And apparently it is. So this uh, talks about this fentanyl survey. And the other thing in this that I mentioned that I wanted to talk about is 70% of the nation's fentanyl comes through Arizona. How's it getting in? We, we know how it gets in. We know how it gets in. And I'm not going to go back down the rant of the border, um, or maybe I will. But the idea that we have such a porous border. Um, I've talked earlier about the human human implications what's happening to the people that are coming um it is heartbreaking to see how people are being treated the fact that hundreds of people are dying in our desert in in the southern border texas crossing the rio grande um that we've done nothing about it as a country it's and it's turned so political when you look at uh the 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 bright light that was on it 
with kids in cages under the Trump administration and separated families. As a matter of fact, um, the, I think it was the vice president or it was either the vice president or the press secretary recently when talking about the border said they're still trying to clean up the mess and there are families that are still separated and they haven't reunited those families yet. And you just have to shake your head and think, well, if a parent in any country is going to send their child with a cartel member north to another country, why would that country have faith that those parents are capable of taking care of their children? Why would you send them back? They've become our responsibility. But as Americans, we should be embarrassed and ashamed of what's happening. An immigration problem like America's should be considered a compliment and an asset to America. If this many people are clamoring to become Americans or to come and benefit from our way of life, First of all, it nullifies a lot of the cancel culture that calls us a horrible country. Um, I don't watch the Emmys just because I don't like to see people pat themselves on the back and give each other awards. It's not my thing. But the political activism that comes out of that and what a horrible country we are. We're sexist. We're racist. We're homophobic. We're all of these other things. And if you ever step back and take a look at this country and say, you know, the world clamors to come here. The world is clamoring to come here. How can we be as bad as you make us out to be? Is it they just don't understand how bad we are until they get here? The overwhelming number of immigrants that I know look at this country and say, thank God I had an opportunity to come here. And they love the freedoms that it offers. They love the opportunity that it offers. They respect the laws. And, and I would love to see more of that. But we're looking at a problem that has every time you turn around from the terrorist implications of people that could sneak in or probably have snuck in to all of these other things. We've got to do something and get a handle on this. And we just haven't. Um, You know, I I myself look at this and I think, you know, um, we should be. Saying that our immigration problem is an asset because we can take the best and the brightest. Now, the Statue of Liberty in the poem, The Great Colossus, says, give us your tired, your poor, your huddled masses. Give us the people you don't want and we'll forge this great nation. But we can now say to people, you can come here and be a part of us and help us grow the greatest economy in the world to being even bigger. And you can benefit from this and help your families back home. And instead, look what we're doing. We are relegating people to second-class citizenship. They are an underclass, which is completely outside of what America is supposed to do. And I think it's horrible. And we need to get our arms around it. We need to do it sooner rather than later. If you're a social media user, I'm at BroomheadKTAR on Twitter. That's my personal Twitter handle if you want to reach out to me personally. If you're an Instagram user, you can find me at Mike Broomhead, all one word. Keep in touch between shows. We'll be back tomorrow morning, beginning at just after 8 a.m. Thanks for spending part of your day here. We'll talk with you tomorrow. Until then, God bless.